This is a recording made of the dinner hour meeting at the chapel of the open book, and we're still considering uh, a series of studies in the Word under the heading borrowed from Hebrews chapter 2, all of one. We have looked at the fact that God has predestinated every believer to be one day conformed to the image of his Son. And we were looking last time how the Apostle John in his epistles, he says, as he is, so we are in this world. As he is, so we shall be. As he walked, let us walk. Well, that's where we're getting today. Should we turn to Ephesians chapter 4? When I said Hebrews 2, it was the basis of it all. But Ephesians chapter 4, for the moment. And uh, most of you know that we have to watch the time at this meeting, for if I speak rather rapidly and do not explain everything, uh, I'm keeping faith with you so that you don't get the sack when you get back to your work. Half of it's late. Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation where we are called. We're still on this question of oneness. It's something that we should always watch, not merely to boast in our oneness with Christ, but to be very conscious of how far we fall short of our oneness in its manifestation down here. I wonder what the reaction of some of our friends would be if we went straight out and said, you know, I'm one with Christ, they say, Goodness me, if he hadn't told me, I should have known a word about it. You see, well, that should never be, should it? And when the outside world look at the distractions and divisions that exist among Christians, it's a very difficult thing to still believe that underneath it all, there is this oneness. So, there is a practical outcome of this. And here it leads on to an endeavour in verse 3. Something that we should make it our business, as the word is, is translated elsewhere, or the word is also the word study, to show thyself. Study. It's something that should be made upon your conscience to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So there's a unity of the Spirit that should be kept and kept as a sacred trust. It has a sevenfold uh, division with the risen Lord in the centre. Let's look at it. There is one body and one Spirit even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. There's a oneness there. And the emphasis at the end about the in all and through all is an anticipation in this present life of what God is working to. For 1 Corinthians 15 says, Then cometh the end, when the Son of God shall hand up to the Father a perfect kingdom, and God shall be all in all. So we belong to this glorious company with all our frailties and failures that one day this is going to take place, all based upon the merits of this beloved Son of God. So we have then, in this uh, thought about being one with Christ, we've got to remember that it should be manifested. And here is one of the ways that it should be manifested. And it's not optional. We can't say, oh, we, we won't bother about keeping this unity of the Spirit. We'll, we'll get on with preaching the gospel or whatnot, you see. So you, you can't alter God's word. Because, you see, friends, the gospel we preach is very intimately related with the truth we believe. And there's any amount of folks who are all over the country preaching a gospel which is hardly sometimes the gospel of the grace of God because they fail to see that the great foundation should be there all the time 
Otherwise, the building erected will be rather shaky. We move on from this because of our time to another unity. After, in this same chapter, after speaking about the ascension of Christ, it says in verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, and this is for a special type of work. And the work is the perfecting of the saints. Now, most of you know that in the ordinary way, the word perfect in the New Testament means to reach a goal, to come to an end, not merely to get better. Like when the Apostle Paul says, I have finished my course. That's the word perfectly. And the Lord said it on the cross. I have finished, or it is finished. Perfected. But this word is a different word. It's borrowed from medical terms, and it means to reset a fractured limb. It occurs in Galatians chapter 6. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. Reset him. What do you say, what's that got to do with this passage? What do you see? At the end of the Acts of the Apostles, Paul had an all-day conference with the leaders of the Jews at Rome, and then they still persisted in rejecting and believing the testimony. And he said, Well, spake the Holy Ghost unto our fathers, what he said is true, now is that the salvation of God is said to the Gentiles and they will hear it. And this comes in. This is after that. So now he says, Don't you see there's a dislocation? Up to that time, the hope was the hope that God would restore Israel would restore Jerusalem and uh, the meek should inherit the earth. But he says, for the moment, that's suspended, that's coming, that's all going to be true. But here's another calling that takes you where Christ sits at the right hand of God, far above all, above heaven. See? So he says there was a dislocation, something going to be rectified. Well, this order of apostles did it. Now, are you aware that these, these apostles do not include Peter? Or James? Or John? You certainly make that out. Well, you look at the Gospel according to Matthew. While Christ was upon earth, walking by the sides of the sea, he called Peter and James and John. But these apostles were given after he ascended and sat down at the right hand of God. This is another order of apostles. And Paul says, I'm not one of the twelve. You read 1 Corinthians 15. The risen Christ was seen of Peter, he was seen of James, he was seen of the twelve, but then afterwards he said of me of me. So here he says, this new set of apostles, they have to readjust the saints of God to the new calling. And then he says, for the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come. So here's the next unity that's in front of us. The first one is, here's something to keep, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Here's a second unity, a unity to attain unto. What is this? Till we all arrive or come in, the word in, in the margin you'll see is into or unto, as it should be. Till we all come unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And this word knowledge is translated in many places in the New Testament, acknowledge. There's not a great difference between knowledge and acknowledge, but there is a little difference. Now I saw this weekend somebody coming in with great books he bought the 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica, and there they were being put on shelves. Well, in those some of us have got attics, haven't we? And up there, oh, there's books on all manner of subjects. Well, that's just like our minds, stuffed with it, and no use to us. 
The only thing which is real knowledge is when it's acknowledged. When you take the book down, look up the reference and you've got it. What he says, this is not merely the knowledge of the Son of God, a superficial one, this is acknowledging him. Acknowledging him. So the unity of faith can never be attained if we do not acknowledge the Son of God. So central in the unity of the Spirit is the one Lord. And central in the unity of the faith is the Son of God. And that is what we feel is very, very essential with regard to all our witness, all our teaching, all our preaching, and all our subsequent practical living. I'll finish the verse. Till we all come unto the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man. Now this is the other word, perfect. The word that means a man at the end, one who's reached adulthood. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ that you be henceforth no more children. All that means to say then we've got a, a sacred trust, those of us who believe this precious truth. We can't really hold it as a mental something and leave it at that. We first of all learn it by reading and hearing the word. We learn it subsequently by having it, as it were, it's written upon our hearts by the Spirit of God. We learn it finally by putting it into practice. And that is, of course, the way we learn many things. So, I felt that the time had come for us to say that we won't keep on emphasising we're all one in Christ. We'll ask ourselves how far we are all one in Christ when it's a matter of everyday life. So, I hope you'll accept that as another contribution. And I'm speaking now to those of you who are listening to this, who will be many, many miles away from this chapel when you hear it, that if you want a very intimate detailed exposition of what it means to keep the unity of the Spirit, you will find there's a whole series of tape recordings devoted to that subject and giving it, as far as we could, a very exhaustive analysis. It would be an exhaustive analysis with a vengeance in this meeting if we attempted it within our limited time. You come here, you just sit for a moment in the presence of the Lord, the Word is opened, we have prayer, we go away and we trust it just a little healing on your journey, like the twelve wells and the palm trees through the wilderness. But if that's repeated week by week, as many times as you can come, these droppings of the word, they have an effect at last. So please don't stay away because it happens to be brief, because we don't always say all we intend, or because we don't say all you expect. But let the word always be opened in the chapter of the opened book, and by the Lord give opened eyes, opened hearts, opened understandings, so that we may see how essential it is that in all unity the one Lord should be central, and in all faith the Son of God should be acknowledged.